Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the first episode of our new season of The Financial Confessions. It's me, Chelsea Fagan, your host, founder and CEO of The Financial Diet and woman who loves talking about money. And to say that I am excited for our first guest of the season would be an understatement. She is someone that not just myself, but everyone in our office is very familiar with. She has been the subject of many conversations in the office right behind me over the past couple years um, for not only her time on television, but also just all of the amazing things that she has managed to do with that level of exposure. We've had former reality show participants on the show before, and much of what we've talked about in those cases is how often the tool and the access that having such a large audience can provide to someone is something that the participants are either not ready for, don't fully understand, or just simply don't make the best use of. But my guest today is someone who came onto reality television with a very strong sense of self professionally and, as we'll discuss, athletically, and managed to use her time to build what is, in my opinion, a rather extraordinary business. I'm also someone who you may know if you're a longtime viewer of the channel, um, especially during the pandemic. I've kind of low-key fallen off a bit. We don't need to get into that, but used to do Pilates quite intensively. So I'm very excited to speak to her about that aspect of what she does as well, as well as all of the ins and outs of both being on and making the most of reality television. I put out a call to questions on my personal Instagram account this morning, um, and in just a few hours have literally hundreds of questions already. So I won't be able to get to them all, but I will try and get as many as possible and pick the brain of this truly incredible woman that I have on my show today, Miss Raven Ross, who you may know from Love is Blind. Hi, Raven. Hi. Oh my gosh, that was the sweetest intro ever. Wow. I'd like to thank Nutrafol for supporting TFC. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support TFC by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code TFC to save $10 off your first month subscription plus free shipping on every order. And thanks to ZocDoc for supporting TFC. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who take your insurance and are available when you need them. Go to ZocDoc.com TFC and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. I have to say, I was, we were all so excited to, to have you on the show um, because as I mentioned in the intro, like it is very rare to see someone come out of reality television uh, with such a strong, like you were obviously promoting the fact that you are a Pilates instructor um, and that is, you know, your business as well as obviously a huge part of who you are. Um, and it was really integrated very seamlessly into your appearance on the show in a way that it feels natural that like even your handle on social media is like Pilates Body Raven. And frankly, as, as a, a businesswoman, I just massively respect the hustle. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. A lot of things I'll say, you know, just happened. Um, and I got pretty lucky and I'm a super hard worker. So it all kind of just came together. But uh, yeah, like I never would have thought like, you know, my handle would have like really solidified um, like my business and make people know like, oh, like that's the girl that does Pilates. Um, so yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a lot of small things that all came together, uh, at the right place in the right time. <laughs> now, I have to start by just asking because obviously, so we've had contestants from the bachelor bachelorette 
franchise on before for whom there is like a very, very serious sort of um, mandate of like you have to be here for the right reasons. Like you should not even care that you're on a television show. You should just be explicitly trying to find love. But obviously anyone with like even a modicum of common sense would be like, okay, but they're obviously going on this massive platform. They're going to develop this huge audience. Um, and there has to be some level of intentionality to that. Um, because if you're going to take kind of the risks that come with it, as well as, you know, the potential negatives, you want to be able to make kind of the most out of it. So for you going into a show as big as Love is Blind, what was your thinking going into it in terms of this is how I want to um, make sure that I'm getting out of this experience professionally and in terms of my public profile, um, what I want to be? Hmm, that's a really good question. Yeah, I think you're right, especially nowadays that like reality TV has super, super evolved and with social media. Um, anyone with a little bit of common sense knows that you're going to have a much bigger platform once leaving the show. Right. Um, I think for me personally, I, uh, was more like nervous and hesitant, you know, just about like putting my personal life, um, on television, like putting my, like, you know, like I, how I was going to come off, how things that, I was going to say, you know, I'd never been in front of a camera like that ever before, basically 24 hours a day. So it's kind of hard to like, make sure you're doing the right thing at all times. And I definitely did not do that. Um, but as far as like setting myself up or, um, kind of like anticipating, um, I think I actually probably could have done a better job, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, before the show, I was never um, a huge social media person. Um, you know, it took me forever to get on TikTok on my page, even though I was Pilates Body Raven long before the show. Um, I rarely posted about Pilates. It was just, you know, like a typical girl Instagram. Um, I almost never posted, to be honest. So um, I think I could have definitely done a better job there. But um, what kind of gave me a little nudge actually was I just really was unhappy at my job at the time before the show and during the show and even after, you know, we filmed like about a year or even like a, almost a year and a half before it came out. Um, so I was basically really unhappy in my job and I felt like I wanted to A, be able to exercise more, B, be able to reach more people like with my passion, which is Pilates and Thirdly, um, to kind of break some typical Pilates stereotypes there, I've worked in a studio for years and I felt like I wasn't um, reaching the demographic that I wanted to reach. So that all led me to be like, you know what, like, I have free time outside of work, like, I'm just going to make this YouTube, like, I'm just going to literally figure it out. Um, and I did that and it was really, really hard. <laughs> uh, and so I basically started that about a year before the show um, ended up airing or maybe, yeah, about a year before the show ended up airing. And I think that definitely um, 
gave me a little bit more drive and gave people more of a reason to stick with me. We're obviously not going to get into any kind of details about it, but you obviously went through um, some serious heartbreak with your um, partner on the show that um, created a really high level of interest in you and your story after the fact. And, you know, it's kind of an interesting parallel, but, you know, for my reality TV girlies out there who I assume is going to be a lot of you watching, obviously Ariana on Vanderpump Rules has been going through kind of a similar situation where it has really kind of raised her profile to an extent, having been jilted by, um, in her case, her long-term partner, Tom Sandoval, um, in a way that's opened up and created a lot of opportunities for her um, that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been the case. And I, having watched, I watched your interview with, I want to say it's Nick Bial, I'm not sure. Uh, One of the podcast hosts, you did a a very deep dive interview onto your whole experience. I would be really interested to hear how you balance the interest that people have in what is obviously such an upsetting moment for you and, and ultimately such a personal part of your life, how you balance that interest and even in some cases the opportunities it can create from that interest with really kind of protecting yourself and not feeling like you're exploiting your own heartache for other people's consumption? Yeah, uh, that's a really interesting question. I think, um, you know, in the midst of everything happening, I had a lot of people around me that gave me good direction. And basically, um, you know, I decided to uh, be pretty private about it. I, I only did that one podcast. And that was a few months after the fact. But in the midst of everything, I did my best to just kind of process myself. um, Because it's hard when the whole world you feel like the whole world is weighing in on something that is like so significant in your life and really heartbreaking. Um, But I think that immense pain and a huge life lesson, definitely in the long run, um, created more opportunities for me and especially made other women um, identify with me more and want to connect more. So I don't think necessarily um, I too much exploited that connection. I think if anything, I kind of used it to um, serve as a lesson for others and inspire others who are in the same situation to, you know, do their best to protect their mental and physical health. Uh, So pretty much after it happened, uh, a few months down the line, quite a bit of time later, I uh, ended up creating my second Pilates challenge, which we called Revenge Body. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, like that, that kind of was my like little uh, stake at that, right? That was kind of like, you know, I'm not gonna um, deep dive into everything that happens, but like, I want to show you guys and share with you guys uh, what I've taken from my experience and what helped me do my best to come out of it, which was doing hard work and exercising and building community. So I would love to hear more generally your thoughts on going from being as you said, not just 
anonymous to a large extent, but also not even really a user of social media to feeling like having an online persona is so integral to the success of, for example, your Pilates business. And like, obviously it's not what you're offering when people, you know, take classes with you or are trained by you, but it is a really, really powerful marketing tool. Um, can you talk a little bit about your experience um, of how you balance creating this public persona and brand with still keeping the focus on what it is that you actually do, which is being a master trainer of Pilates? Ooh, that's a very hard, it's hard. <laughs> um, especially like you mentioned before, um, going from being a non-user to you know, having to come out of your shell and um, put stuff on the internet to help build your brand, build, you know, your personality. I think a little bit for me, um, I still struggle and people still comment that, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, like, I didn't know, like you were actually funny or had a personality. Like we didn't see any of that on the show. Like, and then they see my social media and they're like, wow, we didn't know you were like this. Um, so I think, pushing myself to just be comfortable on social media um, was a big step for me. But I think what really got me there uh, was that people didn't identify with me at first. And like, I got a lot of backlash, um, especially in the beginning when the show first came out, which was understandable. I mean, like I was cringing at myself, um, but that gave me like super thick skin and uh, I, I won't say super thick, right? Because I'm still really sensitive, but it gave me much thicker skin and just made me comfortable to just be like, you know, people already don't like me. So anything I'm going to put on the internet, like it can't get any worse than this. I may as well just laugh about it. And um, I think making that transition made me a lot more comfortable on social media and make people actually like me a lot more. Um. And in turn, I think actually doing that, sorry, my cat is on my lap. It's um, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I think in turn, like being that funny person and like just really being myself um, really worked for me. But now that I'm, you know, I'm not on TV anymore and I'm just relying on myself to like, you know, uh, reach more people. I'm definitely trying to find the balance between like how much personality do I show versus how much like can I talk to y'all about what I'm here for, which like is my purpose is, you know, inspiring other people to put their health and wellness first. So a little bit, I go back and forth like, oh, I don't want to be too salesy. You know, people are here because they want to know about my personal life. So uh, what you're saying is, yeah, it's definitely two-sided. And I really have to balance those things. Well, I mean, speaking of seeing yourself on television, something I'm always really fascinated by with people who've been on television in any capacity or really anyone who's been in the public eye to that extent, <clears throat> not just in general, but for you, there's obviously a layer on top of it because you're, you know, you're an athletic instructor. Like you have this expectation of 
being in perfect shape all the time to be sort of uh, an aspirational image of what people would necessarily like would be wanting uh, if they were to work with you um, and to lend credibility, I suppose, in some sense to the work that you do. I'm curious how seeing yourself in that way has changed or if it has changed your relationship with your body and your physical appearance and how you deal with the pressure, not just of looking gorgeous on TV, but also looking like an ideal Pilates body 24 seven? That is a great question. Um, I think, ooh, to be honest, um, because I really started, um, I started from the bottom, like, you know, I felt like no one liked me. Um, I was, you know, I'm, I was just, was like, I'm going to take a risk and just put myself out there because I had a lot of walls up on the show and, um, people saw that and like, I want to start taking those walls down. Right. So I think that helped me to kind of get over like, oh, my body needs to look perfect X, Y, Z. And I think that I, that a lot more people can identify with that. Um, you know, I think it was natural for me to kind of veer that way because a lot of the other creators that I admire or just people in general are more like about inclusivity, diversity. Um, so surprisingly, I haven't had too much more like body dysmorphia than I already have. Um, but I think, yeah, in general, there's a pressure to look perfect. You know, seeing yourself on TV is like the most cringe thing you could possibly do. Um, <laughs> like the worst lighting, the worst angle, just the worst everything. So again, I'm like, you know what? All these people already saw me at my worst. Like the other day I even said on TikTok, like, I can't believe like I'm a creator who's on here, like literally with no makeup on and like wet hair, like, you know, but I'm like, I, I don't know, you know? So thankfully it hasn't affected me too much, but that's not to say that's not going to change. I mean, definitely I see on Instagram, you know, like it's very aesthetic driven and I, I, you know, that's not something I super want to be a part of. Very understandable. Well, speaking of Instagram, so as I mentioned, I put up a call for questions like a couple hours ago and I have hundreds. So I'm just going to ask a few questions from my audience. Okay. Okay. You don't have to answer this, but I would be curious if you're willing to. Do you think that the majority of the people of your co-stars were actually looking for or ready for marriage when they went on the show? Ooh, um, the majority, no. Nice. <laughs> and it could be some of them weren't ready and some of them weren't looking for. But yeah, some definitely were and most weren't. Can you talk a little bit about the financials of taking all of that time off of work to be on TV? You know, you do have to take a little bit of time off of work, but um, we did get a little bit of compensation, you know, just enough to like kind of cover your rent. Right. So, you know, people... Um, it's a trade-off. It's a choice and it's a risk. You'd rather lose a little money and end up in love slash married or, you know, um, but it's definitely a trade-off and for sure. <laughs> um, well, on that note, similarly, what investments did you make, if any, in your appearance before you went on the show? Oh, investments in my appearance. 
you know, regular hair, nails. Um, we were there for a few weeks, so it's like you can't get a spray tan because that you will be not tanned by the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, to be honest, I'm not like a fashion girly. Um, so like, I know a lot of people like bought whole new wardrobes, you know, like redecorated their apartments in case like, you know, we shot in there. I did not do those things. Um, but that's not to say like things weren't expensive because they definitely were. Um, but again, it's a trade-off, but I didn't do as much as most people did. That's interesting. That is crazy to like create a whole new wardrobe in your house in case they shoot there. Like what a, what an extra investment. Okay. <laughs> Since having a relationship that was basically as public as a relationship can be, what boundaries have you created around sharing your new relationship? Oh yeah. Woo. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think it's for the better, you know, um, I've created a lot of boundaries around sharing my new relationship. Um, I feel like, at least for me, social media was a big part of um, my past relationship. Like, you know, um, so that's definitely some, it was a big learning experience and definitely something I've carried into my next relationship and um, as well as like a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, like it's okay to um, to share what you want to share. And luckily I have an audience that's super understanding about it. It's nice. I am looking to become a new Pilates teacher. What are some important ways that I should financially prepare? Ooh, yeah. Um, save some money so you can get some one-on-one -on -one time with a mentor or your trainer. Um, that really helps me. Um, I would also ask the program um, or the studio that you're going to do it at if they have any kind of work trade or any scholarship opportunities, you know, that's uh, becoming more of a thing nowadays. Um, and get as many free resources as you can. Uh, YouTube is a great place <laughs> and it's free. It's true. I was I was really into it during the pandemic. At, that was like when it was at its peak because uh, I did it before. And then during the pandemic, well, I had nothing else to do. So I was like doing Zoom groups and that was actually really good. I also totally agree. I will say I've said this before. Pilates in particular, I think, is uh, an exercise that like if you go into a class, even a beginner class, like totally not knowing what you're doing, it's, you may not stick with it. I highly recommend people if they're looking to take the classes, invest in a few one-on-one -on -one sessions before, just so they like understand how to move their body and like what the terms mean, because yeah, it's, it's a little bit, not something you can totally jump into. You can, but it like, you have to be really brave to jump into it from zero. Especially in a studio. Yes. Especially because like, I don't know, I'm sure that your approach is a lot more approachable, but I will say I've been to probably like 50 different studios because I would always go to different ones while I was traveling for work. And like a lot of Pilates studios are very busy and like not very welcoming and very like the, the vibes are off in a lot of Pilates studios. Literally the vibes are so off. And <laughs> that's what made me like want to start my YouTube because I'm like, like just to be like, Frank, like I'm sick of being like, first of all, a lot of times the only young person, the only person of color, like there's just like, just the vibe is off. It's 2023. Like 
you know, we can play music. We can like live a little like Joseph Pilates is not going to come back and haunt us for it. Like, (laughs) uh, so I kind of just wanted to like open that door. You know, I'm a classically trained instructor, but that doesn't mean you have to like be rigid and I don't know. So exactly. I agree. And that's why I started my YouTube just to try to reach more people who were having that experience too. We're excited to once again be partnering with Nutrafol here on the Financial Confessions. We actually talk about Nutrafol a lot around the office since our marketing director, Rachel, started using it earlier this year. To be totally honest, hair growth is not something that personally affects me, so I'm happy that we found a product that has had a positive impact for someone else on our team. We all know men experience hair loss, but many women do too, even though it's not as openly spoken about. But here at TFD, we tend to speak pretty openly with each other, and Rachel has openly spoken a lot about dealing with postpartum hair loss, as well as general changes in her hair texture and thickness since giving birth. After all of her other postpartum symptoms subsided, it's the one that has remained the longest. She's changed up the products she uses and stopped applying heat like hair dryers and curling irons completely, but nothing has made a real impact. She started taking four Nutrafol capsules every morning with breakfast and says she can already see a difference in the amount of hair she's shedding. We love that for her. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism through whole body health. And in a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code TFC to save $10 off your first month subscription. This offer is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $10 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code TFC. I want to take a quick pause and thank today's sponsor, ZocDoc. If there's one thing you should actually take the time to do, it's find yourself a good doctor, whether it's for your mental health, your yearly checkup, or a new dentist because you're still going to the same one from your childhood and realize you don't actually like them. Finding the right doctor should not be an overwhelming task. It should actually be the opposite. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. Instead of going to TikTok for medical advice, no shade because you know I love TikTok, it's just not where I nor you should be seeking out medical advice, I use ZocDoc, literally, I personally do use it, to find the right medical professionals, and you should too. Like I said, I actually use ZocDoc, and honestly, it has been really, really helpful to just keep that entire part of my life totally organized, as it's something that can easily feel overwhelming and become an item on your to-do list that just kind of lingers there forever and gives you anxiety. ZocDoc is honestly the GOAT. And if for whatever reason you're not feeling your best, finding the right care shouldn't take up all your time and energy. That's where ZocDoc comes in to help. Using their free app that millions of users rely on, you can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your busy schedule. Here in New York City, some doctors are booked up for weeks, if not months in advance, and that's not particularly helpful when you have something that needs timely attention. With ZocDoc, you can book an appointment with a few taps in their app and choose from thousands of patient-reviewed doctors and specialists, browse doctor profiles, upload and verify your insurance information, and get the care you need in one place. Go to ZocDoc.com TFC and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com TFC. ZocDoc.com slash TFC. Um, okay. What is one non-negotiable that you spend on to take care of yourself no matter the cost? Ooh. <laughs> Therapy. Nice. <laughs> I've had the same therapist for a while and I don't, I don't even do it through insurance anymore. So it's a pretty penny. <laughs> Shout out to therapy. Um, out of curiosity, were you with this therapist before you went on TV? 
so I was with him after we filmed um because I was like you know going through it but yeah he's that was like way before I was actually on tv so yes and no I I worked with him right after we filmed but we were working together for almost a year until it came out Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's that's got to be so weird, like having this all filmed and then having a year before any of it's released. That's crazy. I know it is pretty crazy. <laughs> OK, we have about 50 people saying some version of drop the hair routine. Really? People love your hair. Oh, my gosh. Well, it has been such a journey. Uh, <laughs> that was like actually one of the mortifying things when you're talking about like appearance on TV, like I really was like living for my blonde hair. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a look. And then at the second I saw it on TV, I was dead. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Like even I even like texted my best friends in my group chat, like y'all, like how did y'all let me do that? Um, <laughs> but yeah, my hair routine has definitely um, evolved, you know, um, but I've been posting a lot about it on Instagram and TikTok. So stay tuned there. Okay. Do you see high quality workout clothing as a good investment? Ooh. Hmm. Honestly, yes. And I will say like, for instance, I have high quality pieces, um, that have, I have a few pairs of leggings from high school that like, that was like 10 years or probably longer than that. <laughs> um, definitely longer than 10 years ago that like are still cool. You know, they're still definitely hanging in there. So, um, I do think it's a good investment. Am I definitely guilty of like buying cute Amazon sets? Yes. 100%. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are, unfortunately. <laughs> um, this is a question, I, I guess, do you talk about astrology? Uh, sometimes. Okay, because we have a few astrology questions, including someone who says, how does being an Aries inform your spending habits? Ooh. <laughs> um, I am a very responsible spender. Um, even my boyfriend now is like, you are so cheap. Like, I really am cheap. But there's definitely an air of impulsivity. I think that's a word. I don't know. For Aries. So like when I really like something or I get an idea, I want to do it. Like, yeah, I'm going to spend the money on it. But I'm responsible. So like the money is there. <laughs> Honestly, that's a that's an aspirational balance because a lot of times people are one extreme or the other. Okay. How has being on television changed your career and business opportunities specifically? And are you glad you did it for those reasons? I mean, I didn't really have my own business um, before. Like I said, you know, like I was desperate. I was not in a good place with my work and um, just started doing my YouTube just to kind of give myself an outlet. And that, um, prompted me to like, you know, do my LLC, stuff like that. So then I was just already set up um, and already had some like familiarity. So yeah, I, you know, have had incredible business opportunities since. Um, all of that to say, now I don't have to work for anyone else and it's great. <laughs> 
Truth. Um, okay. So on that note, though, have your views or approach to money changed since being on reality television? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, a lot of my views around money have changed. Um, and then some haven't. I guess, number one, you know, I got a lot of heat when I was on the show for, um, you know, bringing up like, what is the role between paying bills between husband and wife, you know, X, Y, Z. And I definitely did not, the whole conversation was not on there. So (laughs) (laughs) people definitely took it a certain way. Um, But I will say since then, and since becoming an earner myself, um, I do not feel the same way. Like, I don't feel like you know, my husband has to pay all the bills. It has to be this way. Like, to be honest, as a woman, uh, there's really nothing better than financial freedom as a woman, because when you don't have it and you get it, it changes things. Well, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, to, to be honest, like that conversation that you had on the show that had such a high expectation of, the man being the provider. It's such an interesting topic for for me and for what we do because, well, first of all, as you put it, I mean, I assume that that was edited to all hell, so who knows what you actually said. But I do think that that's a really interesting question because on the one hand, like, yes, I think in general, like, gender parity is a, a great ideal. But in reality, like in most marriages, like women earn less. They take a much bigger hit for like, especially if they have children, like women, it's much more difficult for women to reach the level of financial independence that men are able to reach long-term. And I do feel like, and it's also very true that like women in general are expected to take on most of the domestic labor and to like run the household and to do all of these things that you know, are were expectations 50 years ago, except 50 years ago, they were also like the man was paying for everything. So I do feel like I always get sensitive when people are too critical of that approach because it's like the alternative is what a lot of women have where they have all of the responsibility at home and they have all the responsibility financially. Um, and it's just like a totally lose-lose situation. And like, obviously you were able to get to a place of true financial independence, but your case is like pretty rare. Like that's not accessible for a lot of women. Agreed. 100%. Um, and I specific, that's exactly what I was trying to say, um, on the show. Like, you know, I'm never going to be able to, even if I had the same job as you to make the same amount of money as you on top of, I want like, you know, I, like a more gender role normative relationship. I like to come home and like, you know, make a home for me and my partner. Like that is something I look forward to, but I can't do that and have those responsibilities on top of like having a very uh, demanding full-time job. Um, You know, it's on top of like being a normal person and being healthy. Like it's, too much responsibility. And I think a lot, a lot of women struggle with that. So I'm like, if you're already making more money than me and like doing better, like, and I'm still a hard worker and you know, I'm never going to stop working. And that was a lot of the conversation too. I'm like, no, like you should be paid. (laughs) Um, But my views have definitely changed now. And I think 
there after having more financial freedom, um, there is more leeway, you know, um, I guess I wouldn't like exclude so many people out, you know, it's not a, uh, it's not as high on my priority list. Right. Well, because again, also because you're in a position to, to make that choice. Okay. Oh, this is funny. Have you ever regretted spending money on a boyfriend? And if so, why? To be honest, (laughs) this is another way that I've changed, but oh my gosh, in the past, I'd be like, I'm not spending money on no man. (laughs) 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 Like definitely just to be completely honest, do I feel that way now? Absolutely not. Like, but also I'm in, um, my current relationship now is just like so healthy and great. Um, and so like, I do like spare no expense with that, but to be honest, I don't have a lot of experience in that department because yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> um, a lot of people are asking if you watch the show. Uh, my season, I guess, yeah, it's a no. <laughs> Um, I watched season one and two. I didn't watch, I watched uh, bits and pieces of my own season and I've watched bits and pieces of season four so far. That's really, I mean, I, you've sort of like spoken to it, but like, I feel like the experience of watching yourself, not just on television, but in that context on television, it seems so unpleasant. Oh my gosh. Like, so I remember I like just grazed through it in the beginning um but then one day uh I like tried to like go back and you know like actually watch and oh my gosh I had like such a panic attack like I ended up meeting with my therapist and I'm like I'm horrible like like literally like literally like I watched myself and I was like I can't believe I'm like that like oh my gosh I'm so negative like just like was so hard on myself. I got like two episodes in and I've never watched it since. (laughs) That's totally understandable. Although if I may, I actually think that you probably have had the best arc that a person can have on reality television because I actually think people who are just really great, like really beloved throughout, it's like sort of, it's a little forgettable to be honest. Like sometimes, yes, they can really stick out. But I think like, cause I remember when we were talking about it in the office while the season was airing, like there was like a very distinct like bell curve of people being like, Raven is the worst. And then it was like, wait, is Raven actually good? And then it was like, Raven's our favorite, um, oh. which is, You know, I think to me anyway, like as a viewer and as someone who, you know, ultimately to some extent understands what it's like to have a a public facing like um, profile, like I think that in many ways that's the most accurate reflection of how anyone would be if they went onto a show like that, because you're first of all, extremely uncomfortable, I would imagine at first, but also like no one's ever going to be over the course of several weeks in such a high stress situation, like the absolute most perfect curated version of themselves. And it's kind of for the best to, to show up front, like, yeah, this is as bad as it gets. It's all up from here. (laughs) Literally. Exactly. This is as bad as it gets. I was very uncomfortable. Um, and there was even like times when we would all agree, like, I don't even think like I'm being myself right now. Like this is like another version of me and I'm like sitting here trying to fall in love. And like, I literally feel crazy right now. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, seeing myself, uh, 
on TV is definitely wild. Yeah. Well, okay. So on that note, did you feel a lot of people asking, did you feel pressure to wear a different outfit every day? Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's really but, expensive. But looking back on it, that's really stupid and you shouldn't do that. <laughs> right. Cause they like, wouldn't they just like edit it all out of order anyway? Yeah. Things are so chopped up. I mean, there's tons of outfits that we all wore that were never even shown, you know, because they're, they can't show every single thing. So it's kind of, it's not a great philosophy. And like I said, like, I definitely am not a fashion girly. So like, I didn't care as much as other people did, but um, yeah, you feel that pressure, but it doesn't really matter. They, they chop things up anyway. No one will know. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, two, two, two. Uh, what is one thing that you wish that you had known before becoming a public figure? I guess... I already knew this, but I didn't practice it. Don't go looking for information and don't read the comments. <laughs> That's a really good one. Um, so as a last question, we have so many people asking some version of like, tell us about your business right now. Um, and if someone wanted to do something similar to what you're doing, how should they go about it? Ooh, okay. Yeah. So my business definitely has a few different components. Um, you know, I, um, like I said, have my YouTube, um, that I really focus on. And then, um, I also, there I offer free workouts, but then I also partner with an app where I have some like affordable paid content in the form of like challenges. So, um, I have those two things that I offer like as my products, right. Um, we're developing some small merch items. Um, we've started doing, um, some really fun, um, pop-up classes in different, um, cities. Um, and then on the other side of that, of course, you know, being on TV, you get, um, you know, paid brand deals. Um, so that's another component of my business outside of Pilates. And, uh, you know, that's on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. So I'd say getting more specific, if you were someone in my case, who is interested in becoming a Pilates instructor or a new instructor, I'd say, um, you know, get experience in a studio because I, that's where I learned how to work with all people in all kinds of bodies. And um, that experience is really valuable. But on the other side of the coin, typically Pilates studios take over 50% of, you know, what you're doing. So you need to be doing something else that's going to supplement them taking that money. So, um, I recommend like everyone, you know, YouTube is a very slow burn, but it's good for building a small, really trusted community. Maybe if you already know people, you could start on something like, uh, even like a paid YouTube subscription, or I know people do Patreon or maybe even like making a PDF, but coming up with something that's like affordable and attainable and won't be a lot of investment for you up front, I feel like is the best advice I could give any kind of person who's in my field. 
I don't like I hate to like be apocalyptic but like you know studios everyone's always like are you gonna open a studio are you gonna open a studio and to me I'm like okay first of all COVID um that closed a lot of things down especially in the Pilates and fitness world and I think people nowadays you know uh it's quicker to just do something at home so I feel like it's a lot lower lift and it's something like you can start anytime. So that's kind of my take on it. If, you know, someone was in my shoes. I totally agree. I like rip my studio closed during my main studio closed during COVID and I don't think it'll ever open back up. Um, but I totally agree that like accessibility is so key because I feel like Pilates has this very intimidating aura for people. But in my experience, like half of every class I took was like women over the age of like 65 who were like, I mean, shredded, of course, they were like very, very active. But like, it's actually to me, like over the course of a lifetime, it's one of the most accessible exercises because it's so gentle on the body. Literally, um, like all of my private clients that I still see sometimes are a lot of this, the demographic they are a lot of like older, super active, shredded older ladies. And I love that. And that's like one of the main things I try to stress to people who are thinking about starting and like taking Pilates classes. Like this is something that even if you don't appreciate it now, trying it and keeping it in your back pocket, in your toolbox, because in 30 years, you're not going to be able to maybe, you know, knock on wood, I hope you'll be able to run a 5k, but there's a high possibility, you know, you won't be able to do all this crazy CrossFit stuff like that. So I think Pilates is an investment really in longevity and your future self. And I, I just feel like it's so easy. And what I'm trying to do specifically is so accessible and attainable. Like it's something you can always come back to and have, especially when, you know, you're older. <laughs> I totally agree. This has inspired me. I'm going to go sign up for a few more on my little app. I'm going to get back into it. Um, but thank you so much, Raven. This has been such a delightful conversation. And as I said in the intro, I'm really blown away by all that you've uh, been able to create with your, uh, you know, unexpected but delightful celebrity. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. This was fun. I never get to talk about this stuff, so. Good. Um, well, thank you for joining and thank you all at home for tuning in. I will see you next week, next Monday to be specific, on an all new episode of The Financial Confessions. Bye, guys. Mm -hmm.